chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. My guest here tonight, the guru of ganja, the troubadour of THC, uh, author, activist, uh, Ed Rosenthal is with us. Uh, Ed, how are you? I'm good. You, you've, you've obviously, you've been a champion of, of cannabis for many years. What brought you to cannabis? started experimenting with cannabis in the 1960s. When the 1970s rolled around, I, I did realize that I had not completed my experiments. I realized that this was a mid to long-term experiment because I just wasn't sure. I'm continuing that. Uh, I plan to write a report on that during I die. We'll, we'll get the findings at some point, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's amazing just uh, how how much has happened. I want to say in, in a short amount of time, but it really hasn't been a short amount of time. I mean, alcohol prohibition was 12, 13 years. I mean, we got some spots, you know, Arkansas, where they, they still would like to, you know, keep uh, prohibition uh, of alcohol in certain areas and, and, you know, swaths of the, you know, the southeast but um, a relatively short amount of time, we've we've made some really great leaps and bounds, I think. Although we, we have a lot of opposing views, it seems, in various communities of, of what the, the correct path is and, and how to get there. What would your advice be to the, the correct path to legalization that benefits everybody? Well, we're trying it. It's been going on since the 60s. There was some initial success, and then the government got swiped from us, uh, it still is, I mean, uh, we've had it in 2000, but, you know, in 1967, nobody would have thought that 50 years later, people were still fighting for that, two-thirds of a, two-thirds of a lifetime. It's been a, big, it's been a big disappointment that the Democratic Party has, endor- has not endorsed it, even though it would... It would Insured victories all over the country, but so afraid of it. So uh, we, I think that we're on the right path. I, I mean, it, it's taken a long time, but things that look like overnight successes sometimes do take a long time. And but once the ball starts rolling, it gets going really fast. Just, just think of gay marriage. Twenty years ago, if you had said that you know it, that it was going to become Basically, a national policy that only gay that you know only gay marriage would be recognized, and all these heterosexual couples would have to break up. Nobody would have believed it, but here it is. You know. With the gay marriage, you know the sacredness of marriage, you know, has been dissolved, and heterosexual couples just say, "Oh, what the hell? Why bother?" You know, that's a that's a great point you just made there. You know, I mean, so often it it's just a you know it's almost like just dancing your toes in the water to and it's not a real marriage. And and you know these these people that have had to fight for the gay marriage, they're they're long haul. You know, I mean, you you know that they've and most of the time they already have been. But our our the two the you know the two issues have had sort of parallel paths. They've had their ups and their downs, but 
both of them are moving ahead, and I, I think it's inexorable. And this train has left the station; it's rolling down the track, and you know you're not going to you're not going to be able to put the brakes on it. We're going downhill. I mean, we're, go, we're downhill, being you know reaching reaching legalization. I mean, we're that train is moving really fast, and anybody who's opposed to it better get out of the way. So. You know, I'd say a number one bestseller on Amazon, Beyond Buds. Um, we, we, we touched on that for a minute. Tell me, tell me what Beyond Buds is. If you, when you smoke marijuana, uh, the main thing that you're inhaling is smoke from vegetation that doesn't have a relationship to you getting high. It's only the glands that are on the outside of the leaves that contain THC. Also, other cannabinoids and the terpenes, and the terpenes are the odor molecules. The odor molecules, to a great extent, determine the kind of high, high or medical value that the marijuana will have. They're, they're sort of the steering wheel, and THC and the other cannabinoids are more like the engine. So much like if you had mango slices with a certain strain, you might see a higher elevation because they shared a similar terpene. So it can be separated by separating these glands from the vegetation. And when you do that, you get a much purer grade. You get a much higher ratio of THC to, uh, to what you're smoking. And uh, depending upon the method that you use to do this, it goes, it ranges from concentrating it by four or five times to concentrating it to in the high 90 percentiles of THC and terpene, THC, CBD, and other terpene, other cannabinoids, as well as the terpenes. And that's what this book goes into. It goes into the ways of doing it from the very simple way, such as using uh, with your hand taking uh, either bud or leaf and using a, a screen and just screening bud or screening either, as I said, either leaf or the bud over it and the glands will fall through the screen and there you have dry sift. When you use a screen uh, and the gland, glands drop, then those have a much higher, it's a much higher percentage of glands to, to uh, to vegetative material, so it's a smoother smoke and it's a high and uh, and so and it goes up from there. There's dry ice sift and a water and a water ha- different kinds of water hash, and then it goes uh, into butane and CO2 hash and CO2 products, and those products uh, tend to have very high THC con- cannabinoid content, and then. Uh, it goes into uh, the little vape pens and vaporizers that you can use to use that material. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services ranging from commercial 
commercial to bonds to personal from life to health and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Carter Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines, welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. We have with us author, activist, uh, Ed Rosenthal. Obviously, there's been a, a lot of you know negative um, news about the, the concentrates, but one would argue that uh, it's probably a much more efficacious uh, means of, of ingesting for, specifically for medical use. I mean, then you can have a much more prescribed dose, um, less vegetative material, as you're, you know, imbibing, of course, a more prescribed dose. That, that, that's correct. And, you know, if uh, I don't really care about what the critics have to say. I think that marijuana users tend to do, do things that are pretty safe. I mean, as compared with other drug users, you know, like you could say the one, one of the main differences between marijuana and many of the other drugs that people commonly use is people's self-described attitude about that drug in their life. So if you ask a heroin user whether heroin has been good for their life or the same thing with somebody who uses amphetamine or any many of the prescription drugs, they'd say, no, this is a terrible thing. I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And then, but when you ask marijuana users, well, do you think that marijuana has been a good thing in your life? Most of them, even if they're former users, would say that, yes, that, that, that has been a positive factor in my life rather than a negative one. And I think that that's a major difference between the way marijuana users uh, view, the, view their use and other, other uh, drug users. And I think that that's... Both, both sides are pretty accurate there. So I'm not really concerned by what critics have to say about it. They're just looking for excuses to give potheads a, a hard time. And, you know, there's a terrible prejudice in the criminal, what prejudice in the criminal justice community regarding uh, marijuana and marijuana users. They're really hated. And the part of the reason for that is that when you talk about most of the other drugs and the drug people who use those drugs, you know, you can give them sympathy or empathy or so, some sort of disgust or, you know, dissatisfaction, uh, but you know that their lives are dysfunctional. And then you meet these marijuana users who seem to be having a, a more enjoyable time in their life than than you are, and they're not dysfunctional, well, they're not getting that justice, you know, you've had your fun, now suffer, you know, and that kind of thing, sort of a, uh, 
that drives the police a lot, I think, and the criminal justice system. And uh, the, 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 you know, the potheads are not dysfunctional. They're doing okay. That just makes them matter. You know, like when they arrest a, a, an amphetamine user, they might be scared of them, but they'll have some sort of sympathy, perhaps. But, you know, think of it, think of it this way. The, the person who's using amphetamine or heroin, they're a slave to their drug. I mean, they're a slave to it. If they don't get that drug, they're going to go through discomfort and, uh, you know, they're going to have pain and so on. Money users, every time, I'm not talking about medical users, I'm talking about people who use it, quote, non-medically, unquote. But they make a choice every time they use it. Um, yeah, I think I'd like to get high. So they make that choice. They could just as well say, you know, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm not going to use it. And you and I, have we've all met people like that, right? Absolutely. And yeah. and the interesting thing about that is is when that happens, you know, it uh, it, it acts on your body differently, right? I mean, it, well, it stores well, your fat well, cells. That, and but that isn't the point. But what I'm trying to say about that is that so when a marijuana user decides to to pick up that joint, every time that they do that, they've made a conscious choice to do it. They're not a slave to it because we know that it's not addictive. And there, there are de definite signs of addiction, you know, like if, like if you have a change in metabolism that uh, uh, causes extreme discomfort and things like that. Marijuana doesn't fit any of those criteria. I'm not going to go into them right now. But what we, what we have then for the cop is this person who has made a choice to flout the law and get high and look at life differently, you know, than, than within their set box, and they're not suffering for it. And that's why they hate pot users. They do. There's no doubt about it. And they can say, oh, no, you know, I've seen things. That, you know, you see, see uh, Hannity said on one of his programs that, you know, pot users are dumb. It dumbs people down, and they don't have ambition. You know, uh, well... Carl Sagan sure was a dummy, wasn't he? Uh, Steve Jobs. You know, I mean, we could go on and on about all the... Louis Armstrong. You know, all the people who use marijuana. But we know that the people who use marijuana aren't dumbed down, and they're quite functional. And, uh, and meanwhile, these guys, you know what they always talk about? Getting off and during the holiday doing binge drinking. I mean, they literally talk about that on Fox on Fox News. I, you might not be aware of that, but uh, and and it becomes more and more socially acceptable and and, and pushed I, into I our face more see, often. I didn't have to see Fox News to see that. I just watched it on the Daily Show, and they had clips of it where they're talking about getting bomb bombed out. You know, you know, till they drop on alcohol. So anyway. I I see the future bright for marijuana. It's 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 on that train, and that train isn't stopping, uh, you know, for the critics. And the critics can criticize all they want, and they'll have a certain audience. But you know, you don't need to continue uh, continue profiting. Let me ask you, kind of going off topic a little bit. Um, you have a a, a no, exactly by the New York Times by uh, High Times Magazine when I was working for them. Cultivating at that time as well, when you first uh, started with High Times, or was that yeah. something that you picked up afterwards? No, no, no. I, I, 
I uh, I was cultivating in in the by the early seventies. You know, I was I had a, a garden going that was doing okay. And how much would you say has changed uh, in in cultivation practices over the years? Um, you know what computers were like forty years ago. Absolutely. Okay. So go no further. <laughs> so it's pretty much doubled in speed every uh, every two years. Pretty much is what you're saying. Well, a garden today does not look like a 1970s garden. And you know, it's it's interesting. I've seen you know the big wheel um, setups where you know plants only get maybe eight inches. I've uh, I've I've seen ones that uh, they they don't get any bigger than two feet. I've seen ones where they they try and grow them out to to sixteen feet. What uh, what would be your preferred method? Well, you know all of the the uh, the large plants that you're talking about. That's usually a result of regulatory policy. So if you're only allowed to grow a certain number of plants, you want to grow the biggest plants that you can, right? Absolutely. So now that would be something typically in like Oregon, right? Where they would have a limit to the number of plants. Does is there also another limit to plants? Uh, typically, California doesn't really have an arbitrary limit, but the sheriffs have tried to impose them. And I mean, it's it's a rough deal for marijuana you for for marijuana growers on the one hand. On the other hand, a lot of them right now are trying to grow or growing commercially. But, uh, you know, they're not paying taxes on it, and it's treated as a personal grow, like, oh, I'm allowed six plants, and then they grow 60 pounds. And, you know, they're not going to be using a pound a week, you know, so so you know the selling it. So my, my feeling about it is, you know, it's one thing, if they're illegal, it's one thing about them not paying taxes, but when they become legal you would expect that they'd pay taxes. Absolutely, uh, like a contributing business. Uh, you know, something that would generally, uh, you know, show up at the Chamber of Commerce. Traditional business would. Well, if you're legal, then, you get, then it's a business, right? Everybody pays taxes. Why should one group be exempt? That's, a, that's an excellent point. We're going to take a quick break. Author, activist, uh, Ed Rosenthal is with us. Right back at you in a few, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com, when we return. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Listen in as Dr. Dina, medical marijuana pioneer and inspiration for the award-winning TV series, Weeds, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina, only on CannabisRadio.com. Setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com.
chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, folks. I'm Dave Inman. Tonight we have with us author, activist, uh, Ed Rosenthal. You know, there's a, I've heard from, from several growers and, and caregivers that kind of think it's just auto business. You know, the second you get your caregiver card or you have your, your cultivation rights, that uh, you're in business. And, and that's, you know, in fact, not the case. Right. And, I mean, I don't think that on the one hand, you know, there are these ter- terrible taxes that are imposed on medical marijuana. And if it's a prescription drug, well, for instance, in California, there's no sales tax on prescription drugs, but there is a sales tax on medical marijuana. But if it's medical, then it, and you need a recommendation for it, then you shouldn't pay taxes for the medical, you know, for medical use. On the other hand, many of people who have medical cards, let's say, stretch their ailments in order to get the card. Every part of it is hypocritical and dishonest. And you had the Hippocratic oath, then you might say any like dangerous medicinal problem of marijuana is being arrested. So anybody who comes through the door gets a card. And you know you could legitimately say that in a state where it's illegal to to have marijuana except medically. The doctor, on the one hand, is being honest, and on the other hand, is being hypocritical because they're putting itchy back or whatever the medical reason. But everybody's being dishonest. You know, the, the person who's growing those plants and not paying taxes is forced to be dishonest because they're saying they're growing it for personal use and they're not. You know, it goes, every part of it is a hypocritical nature to it. And the only way to change so, that is to change the law. So exactly. The only way to, to get past it is to, to change the law so people don't have to, to game to be able to, to utilize. So I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us tonight. We're about out of time, but I, I wanted to uh, you know point everybody back to the uh, Marijuana User Bill of right, uh, Rights. You can find that on edrosenthal.com, greenaid.com. That's green-aid.com. And Beyond Buds, number one bestseller on Amazon. Congratulations, Ed, and thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Everyone have a wonderful night. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.